Hello and welcome to The Expressionists, a podcast that explores how idioms connect us with the past and to each other. I'm Olivia Rosenman. And I am Helen Rydstrand. And today on the show, we're marking World Toilet Day, which is on November 19th, with an episode full of shit, and we and farts and other idioms about the powder room. But first, we would like to express our joy and relief at the fact that Australians voted overwhelmingly yes for marriage equality. Yes, finally, same-sex couples in Australia can save the date and start planning to legally tie the knot. Want to know where that saying comes from? Well, have a listen to episode 10 and wow all your friends with your wisdom when you're discussing the events of the past few months at the pub. And we have some people to thank who have signed up to support us on Patreon. Those people are Lisa Bernstein, Mo Opperman, Tanya Tawiskelchai, Rosa Saladino, and Alex Fun. We were so excited when we saw these signups. We basically pooped our pants. Thank you all so much. If you'd like to support us, you can do so. And you'll get a shout out just like this. You can find the link on our website. Now, back to today's episode. There will be some foul language, plenty of potty humour, and you might just piss your pants laughing. But we're not just here to stir shit. We've got some genuinely interesting idioms to discuss. So the next 30 or so minutes will certainly not be time down the toilet. We're also going to have a chat with Mark Bella, who is the founder of We Can't Wait, a not-for-profit that provides toilets in schools in the developing world. Talking to Mark, we were pretty struck by the impact on the health, education and opportunities of the people We Can't Wait provides toilets to. So have a listen. You might even want to spend a penny on his organisation. We'll put a link in our show notes if you do. Okay, Helen, enough from me. Time to shit or get off the pot, I think. Let's begin. Olivia, today I'm going to be taking the piss. Don't do that, Helen. This is serious business. Well, there are a lot of piss-related idioms, though. It was not a piece of piss, I can tell you, to choose these ones. I just ended up picking a pair that are great, definitely, uh, but they're also in common use, so it's be useful for people to know what they're talking about. Um, and they just also seem a bit related to each other. But there are many, many other excellent ones that I could have gone with if I had, you know, a whole season of episodes to just talk about piss idioms. For example, you can piss one's tallow or piss one's grease, have you ever heard that one before? Never. Never had I. It sounds gross. Is, um, yeah, it doesn't sound nice. It's obsolete, as you won't be surprised, but it refers to a buck, as in a male deer, uh, losing fat during the rutting time, as in shagging season. And later you can use it to refer to men as well, who might lose uh, weight from having a lot of sex. It's a good workout. Yeah. Well, you know, Shakespeare knew all about it. He pretty much coined that usage, the figurative usage in his 1616 Merry Wives of Windsor. Sadly, not so much in use these days. Or I could have talked about pissing through the same quill. Heard that one? No. Also new. Like a pen? Yeah. I think so. I guess the idea is that it's a really narrow thing, so you have to get pretty close to each other. It means to agree or to be in accord or to have a really close relationship with someone. You could say, Helen, that we piss through the same quill. Yeah, I think we do. Wow. Yeah. Gross. Nice, isn't it? Uh, So I found a cool little proverb using that one from 1641 that goes, things ne'er go ill where Jack and Jill piss in one quill. Neat. Uh, you, You can go piss up a rope, Olivia. I just imagine it would be quite difficult to do. Yeah, I think so. I think that's the point. It's, you know, you're destined to fail. Hmm. I'd like you to... I think I could do it. 
You reckon you could piss off a rope? If push came to shove. (laughs) Yeah. You're talking yourself up there a little bit. Got tickets on yourself. That one's a little bit like telling someone to go jump in the lake or fly a kite. Obviously expressing my disdain for you, if I were to say that. If you're an American who hates someone, for example, some guy called Billy, you might say, I wouldn't piss on Billy if he was on fire. It's funny. I've heard that one and I've always wondered, does piss have a flammable quality? Because it's got ammonia in it, right? Mm Mm-hmm. I've just always wondered if actually you hated someone, you should piss on them because maybe it would make it worse. Hmm. I mean, I don't think it would. No, I don't think it's flammable. Okay. I reckon pee is not flammable. Yeah. Um, but I reckon it probably isn't the like most pleasant way to put a fire out as someone. No, but if you didn't have any water, that would be better than nothing. Yeah, true, true. Anyway, um, or a personal favourite of mine, this one, you can piss in someone's chips. <laughs> Whether it's pissing in their potato chips or in some other kind of chips, I'm not sure, poker chips. You know what it makes me think of? So when I was in high school, a favourite after-school activity was going to Kingsley's Chicken and they had these great crinkle-cut chips and we'd get them in these big foil bags and then douse them liberally with vinegar. Uh, And so they kind of became that soggy but delicious. Um, But now I'm thinking of that sogginess being pissed. like someone pissed on your chips. It really was like someone pissed on our chips, but we loved it. (laughs) 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 So pissing on someone's chips is pretty similar to um, pissing on their parade or raining on their parade. Basically, you know, spoiling their fun, their Mm. plans. So that one apparently is a Royal Air Force one from about 1925. Could be about wood chips that you might use for kindling or it could be actually, yeah, your potato chips. My mental picture is of, you know, sitting at the beach, eating your fish and chips and someone just comes along and pees on them. Spoils your afternoon. Once I uh, was not on the beach, but I was at an area where people were picnicking and I stepped in someone's salad. <laughs> I've, I've told you the cheese face story, <laughs> haven't I? <laughs> I think this is a great story. I just want to share with everyone. One time I was at an outdoor concert in a big park in Sydney and someone came along very drunk before the music had even started. I was just there with one friend and we were waiting for everyone else to arrive and we had the cheese out. <laughs> And some incredibly drunk man stumbled along and fell headlong, literally, into our cheese. And then, like, rolled around with his forehead in the cheese (laughs) before he eventually managed to get up. And then he just stood there apologizing for, like, two minutes with just our cheese on his face. (laughs) Might have coined a new phrase there, Helen, to face face the cheese. To face the cheese. (laughs) To just shame yourself in drunkenly in public. Oh, I love it. I mean, it was a sad about the cheese, but also a wonderful experience. A worthy way to lose a cheese. Exactly. All right. And last of all, in the contention was to piss in someone's pocket, which is an um, Australian one. Weirdly, it means to flatter someone. So if I wanted to, um, you know, get any good books, I might piss in your pocket, Olivia. Would you like that? No, please don't. (laughs) Helen, you're pissing all over the place. Which one are you actually going to tell us about today? So I want to talk about pissing something, for example, money or an opportunity against the wall and also pissing in the wind. Okay. So what do those two have in common? They are all about waste, right? Wasting time, money, energy, opportunity, potential, and or doing something stupid. I'll start with pissing against the wall, which will not surprise many people, is mainly connected to spending all your money on booze and the associated time, worth, etc. Okay, so the earliest instance is recorded in the Oxford English Dictionary for about 1540 in this sentence. Where is that stroy good, which is just old dialect for someone who destroys stuff, a wasteful person? 
story good. I like it. Uh, that hath spent upon whores and pissed against the walls all that he hath. You'll be pleased to know as well, Olive, that it's in the second edition of our mate Francis Gross's classical dictionary of the vulgar tongue. That's in 1788. What a guy. He's so good. He just keeps coming back. Yeah. Um, There's also a sort of elliptical variant to piss away, which, you know, you piss away your savings or something like that, which there's an interesting 1628 instance of in OED2, apparently a translation from Rabelais from a guy called Robert Heyman. Thou that hath pissed away thy unknown shame... So the dictionary notes that this suggests trying to get rid of shame by becoming a drunkard, as in trying to escape misdeeds or something that you've done wrong. Kind of like drowning your sorrows. Yeah, much like that. In piss. In piss, yeah. Mm. Yep. So it's just another kind of waste, really, I suppose. Um, And I think that sense is really part of the expression. It's not just about spending your paycheck on a bender. It's about wasting your life doing uh, that kind of drinking rather than something a bit more productive uh, or positive in your life. But Olive, why do you think that we against the wall is connected to wasting money? Well, we is wastewater. The body's wastewater. Yeah. I mean, I think that literal meaning is probably the main one. But I thought of another possible connection. Maybe a false friend, if I can use that term. But it does bear a mention, I reckon. Are you familiar, Olivia, with the Roman Emperor Vespasian? Never heard of him. No? He is the guy who put a tax on we. What a guy. What That's a, guy. a pretty clever thing to, it is. to do. I mean, it's practically infinite. I mean, of. there's a modern day parallel, isn't there? Because remember when John Howard put his tax on feminine hygiene products? Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's true. Maybe he was inspired by Vespasian. Vespasian, true. Anyway, so yes, Vespasian was taking the piss, that's for sure. Well, not exactly. There was actually already a trade where people would collect the pee from public toilets, then use the ammonia in it for cleaning. So they'd use it for laundering and also for whitening teeth. Wow, that's so disgusting. It's really gross. But yes, so Vespasian put the tax on it. A lot of people at the time as well thought it was a gross idea, including his son, So according to the Roman historian Suetonius, in his Lives of the Caesars, about uh, 120 common era, when Vespasian's son Titus blamed him for even laying a tax upon urine, he applied to his nose a piece of the money he received in the first instalment and asked him, that is, he asked Titus, if it stunk. And Titus replying, no, Vespasian says, and yet it is derived from urine. Did you know that my first dog was called Titus? I did not know that, Helen. So he was a really big dog. We think a cross between a Rottweiler and a Great Dane. And he was a very kind dog. Uh, but he wasn't actually that interested in being ridden like a horse, despite his kindness. He just lied down. I think that's fair enough. Yeah. Well, exactly. Um, but, you know, it's also fair enough for a little three-year-old to have a try. Yeah. You know. Cute too, I imagine. <laughs> Now, I came across another origin for pissing against the wall. It's a good one, Olivia. The Bible. Uh. (laughs) Oh, you don't like it, huh? Not my favourite book. Not your favourite? No, I mean, to be honest, I haven't read it myself. Uh, But apparently, in the King James Version of the Old Testament, there are a bunch of different instances of the phrase. For example, And it came to pass, when he began to reign, as soon as he sat on his throne, that he slew all the house of Basha. He left him not one that pisseth against a wall, neither of his kinfolks nor of his friends. So all of the examples are kind of like this. It's about killing everyone that pisseth against a wall. According to a biblical scholar called Claude Marinetti, this is basically a pejorative for men or boys, um, comparing them to dogs. 
because dogs are unclean and they piss against walls, as we all know. Basically equivalent to calling someone a son of a bitch. And in later translations, though, this is sanitized to just males. Why were they killing everyone? It's the Old Testament. Oh. You know, kings just kill people. God just kills people. Okay. You just have to punish people for... Being human. Not being your friends and stuff. Oh, right. Yeah, but I think probably the first version is the one that, that we really are, are referring to rather than talking about dogs. But it's like an epithet, right? He who pisses against a wall, just men in general. Mm. I mean, let alone the comparison to dogs. Mm. Like Men actually really do seem to like to piss on things, mm. walls, yeah. out of windows. Like yeah. it's actually definitely a thing. Yeah, yeah. I don't know what's wrong with them, but. Men. Men. Yeah. Yeah. They just, you know, want to mark their territory. Yep. Not like dogs, really. I yeah. mean, it's all fair, to be honest. Anyway, <laughs> there's a cool Flemish variant of the phrase as well, where you piss against the moon. She's a bit more ambitious. That is ambitious. It's like <laughs> shooting for the stars. It is. It's a lot like shooting for the stars. Uh, so that's charmingly illustrated, and I actually mean that it's quite charming, in 1558 by Peter Bruegel the Elder, who was one of the Dutch Renaissance painters, big one, with a caption that translates to, whatever I do, I do not repent. I keep pissing against the moon, which is, I guess, you know, I did it my way. I just kept pissing against the moon. <laughs> We'll put the image on our show notes on the website if you want to check that one out. There's also a Danish band called Ice Age that has a song by that name. Now, what about pissing in the wind? Where does that fit in? Yeah, so I actually feel a bit like this Dutch version is more connected to pissing in the wind because they're actually both about um, doing something stupid or pointless or futile rather than something wasteful. The Oxford English Dictionary's first recorded usage for pissing against the wind, which is from 1642, and it gives a good piece of advice about it. He who pisseth against the wind wetteth his shirt. Like that one? Yes, it's a useful proverb. Quite a few musicians have felt that way as well. So the phrase turns up in a few songs. For example, Neil Young's Ambulance Blues and Badly Drawn Boy has a song by that title from his 2000 album, The Hour of the Bewilderbeast, which comes with a video clip featuring, of all people, Joan Collins. I've been pissing in the wind I chanced a foolish Grin and dribbled on my chin. And the heavy metal band Pantera have this song, Piss, from their album Vulgar Display of Power in 1992. So if you didn't catch that, uh, he was just offering to stomp his ass for free. Because a punk like that is piss in the wind. What do you think? Mm, heavy metal. Not my cup of piss. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, exactly. Charming sentiments aside. What is more interesting about this, I think, is that like in the King James Bible's epithet, uh, he pisses against walls, Pantera his here transforms the phrase about pissing in the wind, as in a stupid counterproductive activity, to a phrase that is describing shit person, which is a pretty neat linguistic move wouldn't you agree you just can't get past the the violent intent it's like he's pissing in my ears (laughs) i mean yeah i think that is basically what happened but i mean the point is all walks of life love idioms and piss apparently and piss i mean it's it it is a remarkable liquid 
Definitely. I mean, I definitely have a newfound respect for piss myself. And just before I finish up, what I don't really have time to talk about properly, um, and it's not really idioms, it's, it's more like slang, but I just wanted to mention briefly is the two very common idiomatic meanings for piss is to be pissed or pissed off, so if you're angry, um, or in mainly British and also Australian usage, uh, to be pissed is to be drunk, of course. And there's many different intensifiers along the lines of being drunk as a skunk. So you can be pissed as a newt, uh, which apparently is because newts, they're amphibious. They breathe water. So they're just drinking all the time. Ah. You can be pissed as a rat as well. Makes less sense. And the most least sense of these is to be pissed as a fart. It's quite illogical, really. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's not really any piss involved in farting. No. And a fart on itself is not drunk or made of yeah so there you go yeah it, but it just funny. sounds good doesn't it you've found you've found the way to my heart <laughs> i always thought it was through a man's stomach but apparently i was wrong no in my, in my case it's through the other end <laughs> <laughs> and I'm the founder of an organization called We Can't Wait, which is uh, it's a small not-for-profit that's focused on primarily, I guess if you look from, the, uh, from a superficial perspective, we're focused on getting toilets into schools in the developing world that don't currently have toilets. From a non-superficial perspective, our aim is to take away one of the reasons that adolescent girls drop out of school to improve their opportunities to continue their education further. So we're focused on issues of health, dignity and privacy, and we're also focused on issues of uh, illiteracy, education in a general sense, and ultimately better economic outcomes. Can you just connect the dots here, Mark? How do toilets relate to school attendance? Uh, if I can take it back to where I discovered this issue, it, it, uh, it rocked my world, I guess. My, my daughter was about 13 years old at the time. She's 20 now. Uh, I was in India on business and I had a day off and I just thought I'd hop on a train and go into the middle of Mumbai for a look around and some, some guys sort of came up to me on the train and said, where are you from? And we had a bit of a chat and next thing they've invited me to visit where they live, which is one of the biggest slums in the world. It's just a slum in the middle of Mumbai with over a million people in it. And during our visit to the slum, we went to a school among many other things. And in the school, I was looking around and I could see lots of little boys and girls and lots of teenage boys, but there were no teenage girls in the school at all. And I said, what's going on? And they said, where are they? And they said, well, they don't come to school anymore because there are no toilets. And I didn't understand the link at first myself either. But then I, I did a lot of research and it started to sort of make sense. And firstly, at once once you reach uh, that age where you know, become an adolescent, uh, you need a bit more privacy when you need to go to the toilet. So the idea for these girls to go to the toilet outside, it's simply not possible for them when they reach that age but even more importantly when they're menstruating when they've got their period they just don't turn up at school at all during that time if there are no toilets and so one of the outcomes is they start falling behind in their education just for the time they're taking off when they've got their period and even when they are at school they're afraid to drink water during the day because they might need a toilet and so their ability to concentrate takes them further behind so as a result of this inability to keep up with the boys at school, they, they fall by the wayside and they just end up dropping out on mass. Huge numbers drop out. 
because my daughter was 13 at the time, I was. Yeah. it just really struck a chord for me. She was at an age where she's going through these changes in her in her life and she was nervous about it. I think all kids, particularly girls, probably are nervous about those changes coming in their lives, but at the same time excited about the future, excited about moving toward adulthood and excited about going further with her education eventually you know, beyond beyond school and on to university and so on. Whereas for so many girls in the developing world, puberty is a time of mourning because it's uh, they're mourning the end of their education. So the work that you're doing is involved with the World Toilet Summit that's coming up and, and World Toilet Day is an important day for you guys as well? It is, yeah. Look, in my early research, I came across uh, this guy, Jack Sim, a Singaporean guy who's uh, known around the world as Mr. Toilet. <laughs> and he <laughs> and he loves the name. He loves the name. He's very proud of it. And he's, he's also the founder of the, the WTO, which most people don't know about him. That's not the World Trade Organization. That's the World Toilet Organization in his case. <laughs> oh, I see. <laughs> and Jack's, Jack's very quick to point out that it's just as shitty an organization as the, as the <laughs> known one now. <laughs> and Jack's the guy who took the concept of World Toilet Day to the United Nations and convinced them that they should make it an official day. And so Jack decided to invite me to be chair of the, of the uh, program committee for this year's World Toilet Summit, uh, which is in Melbourne, So, which is a really exciting thing to be asked to do. If if you're into toilets, it's a great thing to be asked to do. Also, Mark, can you tell us a bit about what actually happens at the World Toilet Summit? Um, look, a lot of the speakers will be academics and they'll also be uh, uh, people who work in the field. Uh, so, like Engineers Without Borders is an organisation that will have a couple of papers there. They're an organisation that do phenomenal work in in the developing world. Uh, the, the best case I can think of is some work they're doing in Cambodia where they're, they're working with a floating community uh, who there's 5,000 people living on a lake in Cambodia and you can imagine dealing with toilets on a lake. Uh, it, it's a real problem. There are also people who work in crisis environments like you think about the, the issue with the Rohingya refugees who are coming out of Myanmar into Bangladesh at the moment. There are 650,000 plus people who've now fled to Bangladesh. And of course, there are no toilets there for them when they, when they set up their makeshift refugee camp. And uh, thousands of children are at serious risk of dying in that, in that environment. So there'll be speakers talking about how you deal with sanitation in a crisis situation. Uh, you, I think, may have seen the article about uh, girls in remote indigenous communities in Australia missing school when they got the period. Mm. I pretty much said to the rest of the committee, we need the women who wrote that article to speak at the World Toilet Summit. And in fact, they're both going to be there, which is fantastic. I'm so excited about that. And right. to think this is happening in Australia, it's a national shame. It's disgrace. And it's uh, so it's, it's just amazing to be able to hear from these women about their study. Uh, the money to fix this in Australia should come from government and, and uh, corporates with an interest in those parts of the country. And, and I think it will come. I think that you know, the, first, the first thing for fixing a problem is knowing about it. And uh, one of our jobs through the World Toilet Summit is to make sure people know about it. So you made a special request uh, so that you've got a comeback for when people take the piss um, oh, yeah. <laughs> for when you <laughs> about attending World Toilet Summits. Um, 
it's, it's got actually quite, I don't know if I'm going to say illustrious history, this one. But um, so it is, not surprisingly, it's mainly a British, Australian, New Zealand phrase. And it yep. obviously means making fun of or mocking someone. And it's related yep. to, to take the mickey out of someone as well, which might be Cockney oh, yeah. rhyming slang for yep. mickey bliss, take the piss. Okay, okay. It seems to be around from about 1930s. But it actually derives from an older, much older phrase, which is piss proud, which you might have heard as well. Right, okay. But So, you know, you can be piss proud of something that you've done, but apparently it actually refers to a morning wood, as in uh, an erection when waking up in the morning, very surprisingly. <laughs> so the, the reason, though, that they call it piss proud, this early oh. word, is the they had the idea that this false erection was actually because you had a full bladder, so it was just kind of like... Right. Popped out <laughs> your bladder bag so full, and then oh, so whatever whatever men want <laughs> yeah, exactly. So then to take the piss out of someone is to is to deflate them to like take out that right. sense of importance. Uh, well, that that makes complete oh, yeah. logical sense. Uh, that does. You I mean, you know, there you go. So it actually yeah. it has a rich history. <laughs> yeah. 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 yeah Thank you for that. I, I'm sure I'll find use for it. It's amazing. It's just something that so many people take for granted. Something as simple as a toilet yeah. can make such a huge difference. The flow-on effects are massive, and it's just—it's just so exciting to be part of this. Mm. Just, I couldn't think of anything else I'd want to be doing with my life. Funny you should mention farts, Helen, because in the past few days I've had this problem. <laughs> Interesting. I yeah. like where this is going. I keep waking up at Sparrow's fart. Oh, you poor love. Yeah. And then I can't get back to sleep. It's the worst. Did it ever happen to you? Mm, it happens sometimes when I'm a bit anxious about something. You wake up in the morning and you're immediately thinking it thinking it over like a hamster in a wheel. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Hamster doing little farts. Um, right. So, <laughs> uh, yes, right. So, Sparrow's fart. Uh, the definition for those who aren't familiar with this idiom is just the break of day or the very early morning hours. There is also a second meaning, but I'm going to talk about that later. So, Helen, any guesses as to how old is this idiom? Hmm. So, I would go with t- two possible guesses, one of which is that it's actually pretty recent. Like, I'd say mid-20th century, perhaps. It's a phrase my dad uses all the time, so I, I feel like, I don't know, maybe it's his generation or something like that. Um, and the other guess that I make is that it's like, a, you know, 1500s or something, like, written in an old monk's text or something. Well, like, illuminated, you know, with a little sparrow farting. <laughs> oh, like a nice little sketch of a sparrow's yeah, fart. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just in the margins. Oh, that would be cute, wouldn't it? In fact, Helen, it's neither. Oh, sorry. But I think those are pretty good guesses. They were good guesses, and just unfortunately, neither of them were right. Uh, <laughs> um, no, so in, according to the Oxford English Dictionary, the first recorded usage is in 1886 in a glossary of words used in the county of Chester, written by one R. Holland. And in this book, it appears as sparrow farts, one word. So I spent a bit of time in this glossary of the county of Chester, which is a county in the north of London. Mm-hmm. And interestingly, according to this glossary, another word for sparrow was spadger. Cute. It is cute. What's not so cute is that apparently now, according to Urban Dictionary, a spadger now is a colloquial and affectionate term for the female genitalia. Oh, I mean, it could still be cute. (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah, so, and 
We are to thank for that, not us, you and me, Helen, but us Australians, because apparently the origin of this application of the Spadger was from an Australian men's magazine called The Picture in the 90s. However, I have found yet another instance of an error in the OED, Helen. Wow. I know. Congrats. They should potentially employ us. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yes, so I found an earlier instance, in fact, of Sparrow's fart, and that is in 1828, so a full... 58 years before uh, Holland's usage of Sparrow Farm. Uh, So in 1828, a man called William Carr, who was a native Crave, which sounds like there might be a problem with him, but actually he's just from Craven, which is a village in West Riding in the county of York. And he wrote a book about the dialect of that particular village. So the book is called The Dialect of Craven in the West Riding County of York. So West Riding is one of the three historical subdivisions of the County of York, which is now called Yorkshire, which incidentally is one of the biggest counties in the United Kingdom. Helen, what do you think of when I say Yorkshire? I think of Yorkshire pudding, naturally. Um, and the moors, I suppose, wandering around, you know, Heathcliff and Cathy, just wandering about on the moors. Uh, I do love that song. I love that song. What a great song. Um, Yeah, right. I also think of pudding. I've never had that pudding, but Yorkshire pudding, definitely a thing. I think of the tea, Yorkshire tea. Yorkshire tea? Yes. Devonshire tea. Yorkshire tea. There's like a Yorkshire tea brand available in the supermarket. Oh, I've never noticed that brand. Other interesting facts about Yorkshire, David Bowie's dad was from Yorkshire. There you go. I mean, a lot of good people are, I think. Yeah. Uh, Most excitingly for me, licorice. Licorice the Sweet was, in fact, created in Yorkshire in a village called Pontefract. Boo. Yeah. I know you don't like licorice, Helen, but I love it. So A lot of people do. Yeah. It's a great thing. George Dunhill from Pontefract. So many people who like licorice, not you, would be familiar with Pontefract cakes, which are just a little round licorice disc. Delicious. Often they're quite like hard, so you can suck them for a long time. Did so, he also invent? Cigarettes? It's interesting. Dunhill Blues? Yeah. I, I don't know about that. So Maybe they're just a prolific family. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so that was in the 1760s that he had the bright idea to mix the licorice plant with sugar. Amazing. Um, so how's this related to sparrows fighting? Sorry, Helen, I did get distracted. Uh, but it is related because if you eat too much licorice... You will fart. It can have a laxative effect. But no, back to William Carr. So in his book, he mused that perhaps sparrow fart was a corruption of sparkle fert. Cute. Yeah, so sparkle uh, was a derivation of speck, which was from scintilla, which means a tiny trace or a spark of a specified quality or a feeling. So you might have a scintilla of doubt. Yeah, yeah, I've heard that one. Have a scintilla of doubt that eating all that licorice was a good idea. Mm -hmm. Um, And then furt he just defined as crepitus, which was derived from the Latin verbal noun crepare, which means to crack, rattle or creak. Uh Uh-huh. So um, like breaking wind. Mm -hmm. A fart is is to crack or rattle or creak. I mean, you know, so it's onomatopoeic essentially. It is. Wow. So what's this other rare meaning though that you mentioned before? Right. So the second meaning listed in the OED is a person of no consequence. And that is a, a definition that is endorsed by the book by Jim Dawson, Did Somebody Step on a Duck? A Natural History of the Fart. Which, <laughs> that is a title. Yeah. Yeah. What nice a, one, Jim. What a book. Uh, so apparently for the Irish, 
most commonly, a sparrow fart is an inconsequential or annoying person. Right. Just because like a sparrow fart must be a very tiny little fart. Probably wouldn't even smell at all. No. And so that meaning appears in James Joyce's Ulysses. Mm-hmm. Miss this, miss that, miss the other. A lot of sparrow farts skidding around and talking about politics they know as much about as my backside. Charming. Uh, but so you're right about the sparrow fart being very small. Sparrows are very small, so surely their farts would be even smaller. Why do you think we would associate sparrows farting with the early morning hours? I mean, I just assume because, you know, the birds get up before us and start tweeting, you know, and farting, I suppose. Yeah, so one theory out there is that it is a jokey variation of, of a cock's crow, of oh, yeah. the time that the cock's crow. Makes sense. Um, according to the Urban Dictionary, again, gosh, what a source. <laughs> it suggests that that is the time when the sparrows get up and let out a little fart to <laughs> signify their awakening. <laughs> I did also find one other potential origin from a different part of England, Lancashire, which also has a very particular dialect or accent. And I'll just play you this little, uh, this little example here. A sparrow fart. <laughs> Hello, Mother, I was up early this morning, the crack of sparrow fart. To rise early. <laughs> so this is a great video where they go through a lot of Lancashire speak with these translations. Ah, oh, right, like a central, like Queen's English translation yep. kind of thing. So if you want to learn more, uh, we'll put the link to that up on the show notes. I mean, there are some great laughers in that crowd. Yeah, I mean, I they a really... Few snorts, some real chortlers. <laughs> they, they thought it was quite funny. <laughs> they must have had a lot of funny things happen before that point. Yeah. Either that or they're just piping in laughing gas. Also <laughs> possible. <laughs> Farting in laugh, laughing gas. Well, that was delightful, Olivia. Thank you. I think, though, we've spent quite long enough on the toilet for one day. Before we go, we'd like to leave you with a message from our sponsor. Is it time for you to go and do your business? In a fast-paced, media-saturated world, Flawless Photography is your small business's best shot at the big time. If you'd like to look as good as the expressionists now do in our headshots, you should get in touch with Little Big Shot. You can check out their work on thelittlebigshot.com and our listeners can get 10% off their first order. Just quote the code XPODCAST when you get in touch with them. That's EXPODCAST. Thank you for listening, everyone. What did you think of today's episode? We would love to hear your thoughts. Why not just send us a voice memo and tell us? Just record it on your phone, then email it in to xpodcasters at gmail.com. Expodcasters at gmail.com. And you might even hear yourself in our next episode. Till next time, I'm Helen Rydstrand. And I'm Olivia Rosenman. Catch you then. ourselves with gratitude. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>